Hello, Rip City. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Thursday, the 21st of May. I am Keith Feltner-Smith, and Ty Delbridge is away uh, working on the family business. So in his place, we have the glue guy from NBC, the digital media reporter, the mentor, the bully, and the buddy, Chris Burkhart. Welcome back again, man. How you doing? Good. There he is with the bully, <laughs> bully talk again. I just I couldn't leave it just at bully man. After last time, you proved me wrong. You were such a nice guy, and uh, as as you always are, I will admit. But you know, it's, it's more fun. It's more fun to to snark. Uh, but yes, welcome back. I'm a lover, uh, as Not always. You're uh, you've been wonderfully patient with uh, with me and the scheduling and the the rain checks, and you know, me and Ty both having our own stuff going on. Uh, for quarantine, where we don't have employment right now, or some of us don't have employment, speaking for myself, it's been surprisingly uh, hectic of a schedule. Have you found it to be the same way, even though you, st- you are still working, of course? Yeah, it is hectic, as weird as it is working from home and all that. It's just like, I almost feel like there's no like the breakup of the day. Like exactly, like yeah. there was like the whole like okay, wake up, have breakfast, factor in that I got to drive to work, then I'm at the office for X amount of hours, then I know I have to drive back home, then I'm at home. What am I gonna do when I get home? And now it's just like there's no like part one, two, three, four, and five of the day. It's just like one big one single part, and it's, right. it, it took some getting <laughs> used to. I'm used to it now. It's like now I'm just like. I don't know what I would do if I had to go like back to the office tomorrow. Like that would like <laughs> it would be the reverse shock of it again. Like okay, You've well, evolved. <laughs> yeah, like it's just it's it, it's definitely uh, interesting. But yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, it, it is funny, and and I'm certainly I can never claim to be the most organized person in the world, but it's uh, having just the lack of of like you said, kind of that lack of movement, the lack of kind of. Uh, segments to break things up. It is strange, and I imagine even more so when you're trying to do multiple things like at home, like you've got the family life as well as the the work life. For me, it's basically just video game life, uh, yard work, and <laughs> dogs, and uh, trying to you know keep the house clean and ready for uh, you know uh, whenever things do get back to normal. But yeah, it's it's weird that like now your house i'm speaking for you of course and my house <laughs> they're about as clean as they've ever been as if like all of a sudden people are going to walk up to my door and like just in case i ever host i need everything to look good and then like right now anyone could come into my house and they're like oh man i don't have to do anything to get ready but like usually it's like oh gosh my mom said she wants to come over for dinner next week i better start cleaning now like yeah she said <laughs> next week i'm like yeah i better start cleaning now and then I forget, and then it's like two hours before your mom gets there, and you're like, crud, what can I do? And you, you clean it. They come in, and your house looks perfect, but it only looks perfect for like that two hours that mom's there. So now my house <laughs> is just clean all the time, and I kind of like it. Well, I, you know, I'm not going to lie either, though. I am definitely still a bit of a procrastinator on the whole thing. I think because, uh, again, just without even just the idea of, of any sort of uh, employment going on, uh, I have been, you know, kind of been like, oh, well, I'll, I'll get to that later. I, I can put off, put that off to some other task. Hey, let's play video games for a bit. Uh, it has been change, man. It's been a, a different kind of routine to get used to. Speaking of change, hey, hey, segue number one. The NBA is dropping their basketball maker, I guess. No, I was going to say sponsor, but it's, it's the uh, the basketball manufacturer, Spalding, the NBA sponsor for over 30 years and the maker of the first basketball in 1894 has been replaced by Wilson. So, uh... I guess yeah, this is somewhat appropriate since we are all on kind of, you know, we're castaways on islands right now. We're all off in quarantine. So <laughs> Wilson is very uh, on brand, I guess, for the NBA to kind of stay with the culture here. But what do you make of this? Does this surprise you? Did you know this was coming? Have uh, any idea? No idea it was coming. Uh, but it'll be interesting depending on how uh, these players are, you know, are they used to a Wilson ball or not? Because remember uh, a few years back, which is like, feels like a decade now. And they, they tried to change the, uh, the basketball and ended up being yeah. just a little too sticky. They didn't like it. I think Steve Nash was definitely not in favor of it at the time. And that new ball did not last very long at all. Granted that one, they tried to kind of change the, the design of the basketball a little bit as where Wilson Spalding. Uh, I don't know if there's much of a difference there. I think Wilson makes a good basketball. I like playing with a Wilson basketball. I like playing with a Nike basketball, uh, but you do know that when it sounds weird that we're debating like the differences between basketballs, but there is no debate that like that Spalding basketball is like the tried and true. That is the go-to basketball if you have one in your lineup. So kind of an interesting move, but as long as the players uh, can play with that ball, I think they'll be fine. Well, again, though, you say it's it's the tried and true and it's the, the go-to kind of standard, if you will, right? But 
you also mentioned, I think it was actually over a decade ago now, 2006 mm-hmm. is what I saw in some article, uh, when Spalding tried to go to some synthetic, some sort of like different mm-hmm. material in the ball. And uh, yeah, like you said, it made it a little more tacky. I think people complained it was almost lighter, like kind of could just push easier or something strange like that. Uh, and yeah, so it, 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 they may be the standard tried and true, but they also have been trying to maybe come up with something different, uh, push for some sort of evolution and maybe fell a little short on that. So I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what will happen with this. Welcome to quarantine life. People are going to debate <laughs> the the usefulness of the Spalding ball versus the Wilson ball because there's no real sports to talk about. Well, listen, uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm curious. I, I saw something when I was looking up Wilson balls. They have the weighted basketballs, too. Do you think we're going to hear any sort of debate about, oh, uh, these balls are you know not able to shoot as far? It's a heavier ball. It doesn't fly the same. Is this going to happen because of a, a different brand, different material, you think? Are we going to hear any of that? If that were the case, I think you'd see a complete pushback from the players because a- any amount of difference it yeah I, I, any amount of difference in the weight of the ball uh, uh, is gonna throw off shooting mechanics so bad because you're so used to doing it one way you want everything to be as uniform as possible and, and the nba is not going to do that they're not going to say now here is the, the wilson basketball that is three ounces heavier than the other ball when when fully pumped and, uh, or whatnot is just that's well, more hey, of like a training tool maybe no, it's, it's, it's more of like a training tool here yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I remember, like, in baseball, like, you would use heavier balls just to kind of right, work on right. certain mechanical things. Uh, but with basketball, no, your your game day ball is different than what you use to train. And they're not going to go that drastic. It's just, I mean, Wilson's going to do their thing. It's just going to be like Nike switching over and taking over for Adidas making jerseys, man. There ain't going to be too much of a difference. What about patterns? Are we going to see, like, anything beyond the normal orange ball? Are we going to see, like, Wilson's black ball, uh, which you see a lot online as far as one of the kind of their, their standards that are put out as far as their top-end basketballs? Anything other than, uh, you know, again, like the Olympics, they have their kind of off-white and orange kind of uh, pattern they do on their ball. Are we going to see anything different than the, uh, than the standard orange, you think? No, I don't think so. Why? I don't know if they'd mess with that. If they give me one, just give me the red, white, and blue ABA ball. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. I, I could... I could see this being a time for uh, Wilson to maybe make a branding move. You know, maybe they put the castaway handprint, the Wilson face, on the NBA basketball. Don't you <laughs> want to see that flying through? That would work for me. It would be a, a maybe. New, uh, hey, it's already it's already and it, the thing with Wilson is it's already a, a good branding move for them because tell me anybody on the street if you say Wilson tell me that they think NBA or basketball in general. No, because Wilson isn't out there making basketballs. Wilson isn't out there making your shooter sleeves or your shoes or any of your equipment. Like for me, I hear Wilson, I think baseball, the Wilson A3000 and the Wilson A2000, the gloves that everybody wanted back in the day. How do you, the, how do you not baseballs. think volleyball, man? Castaway. I made no. like two castaway jokes already. We're not going to go volleyball? Come on. Well, I looked around and I realized I didn't have him in here. He must be in my <laughs> other room, but I do have the Wilson volleyball. Um, out here <laughs> but again that's a thing do you think vol- you think volleyball when you think wilson like i said for me it's, yeah, it, yeah. it's baseball because you have your you have your wilson batting gloves you have your wilson everything uh so you don't think basketball so that's your marketing ploy right there you're you're now getting into an area that you're not used to being in so you're going to e- expose your brand to so many more people so it's a it's a good move by them for sure yeah and spalding yeah, spalding's not going to hurt by not having the ball spalding is again spalding everybody knows that that is that's the basketball you want they're not going to hurt by not being in the nba for a year or however long it is that's an interesting point uh that like it's not like it's going to really hurt their brand and people are still going to use their ball you say a year you think this is only going to be a short-term thing for Wilson? no absolutely not no no i just said that for just oh, okay. argument's sake. Like, it's not going to hurt them, whether it was one year or 10 years or whatever. It's not going to hurt their brand Gotcha, at all. gotcha. No, that makes sense. And, yeah, Wilson coming into the market, kind of getting into the NBA, kind of securing their spot. I could uh, I could seal that. Uh, and speaking of securing their spot, we've got Rodney Hood with all of his workout videos online, nailing another segue. Thank you very much. I, you know, I'm off-season, perfect form over here, feeling good about it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, have you seen these workout videos that Rodney Hood's putting out? Or maybe not him, but his trainers or the Blazers or whatever. Uh, he looks like he's in good shape. He's He looks like he's, you know, kind of uh, acting like he's ready to come back, ready for the season. Uh, and he's got his hair going. The hair game is strong. <laughs> Everybody's hair game's strong right now, man. <laughs> yeah, man, you and me, uh, you know, I feel like my stash, I was looking a lot like a walrus where the upper lip is disappearing, but you got me, you got me crushed over here, man. 
You got yeah, the, uh, and, uh, and the mine is constantly trim too. If it wasn't trimmed, it would be full on grizzly man. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know what this, the workout videos thing. I feel like we haven't seen as many in the off season in the quarantine as we even have we, have we even as we have in past years. Uh, obviously, players don't have the access to facilities and all that kind of thing, but uh, or you know they haven't as much until recently, but. Do you take anything away from uh, these Rodney Hood videos? Like, do you think this is actually anything significant, or is this just fans wanting something? Or we haven't seen Hood in a while. Hey, why is this a, a thing? It's a guy. It's a guy who blew his Achilles on the court. Of course, it's significant. Uh, there you it's go. Good to see. It's good to see him on the court. Good to see that his rehab um, is is on pace. What you don't want is you don't want fans to think that this means that if the NBA returns in three weeks, so there's a chance Rodney Hood comes back. Because no, there's not. Uh, even he <laughs> said he even he said in the uh, interview he did with media uh, about a month ago now that that really wasn't what he was worried about. He's just worried about getting his rehab and getting ready for when that does happen. But it's going to still take time. But when when you are uh, starved of basketball content seeing a guy who you haven't seen on the court even in practice gets you going when you see it i mean you, you get going there people got hyped when they're seeing videos of nurk in the gym people are liking seeing videos of mario hazonia in the gym just anybody any blazer content knowing that they're out there putting in work uh, people like to see but i think it's a little more impactful with rodney this was a guy who had to be helped off the court you know the the, the achilles yeah. was blown you knew that there was a very very long uphill battle for him and he's right on target, if not, you know, pushing ahead of it because he's working hard. So, of course, it's great to see, and it's it's Rodney Hood. Who doesn't love Rodney Hood? No, I, absolutely, no one, no one doesn't love Rodney Hood. But uh, I do just feel like there's been something where his workout videos have had a little more significance or a little more love with the fans in the offseason. You mentioned, uh, you know, Nurk and and some of the other players doing similar videos or uh, Nurk and Hazonia is who you mentioned, but I feel like I've seen just as much from Hazonia about his video mm -hmm. games and his online uh, <laughs> kind of hey. escapades. And from Nurk, you know, there was a huge article uh, recently about how he donated 125 tons of food to Bosnia. That's huge. And it's, it absolutely deserves to make headlines, but I'm just saying, I'm not seeing, maybe I'm just following the wrong people. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I'm not seeing uh, nearly as much about kind of their basketball references as much of their offseason stuff where with hood, it just seems very much like he's spending all of his time in the gym or something like that. And I don't know. I feel like they're trying to make a trend. out. No, of it. no, I'm telling you they're out there. There's video. I mean, Mario posted a picture. I think it was just yesterday, like him, like in the push-up position, doing push-ups. You had Nurk in there with the picture with him and his trainer. They're out there. There's just more impact on hood because a yesterday was Rodney hood appreciation day. So the Blazers are blasting, blasting that <laughs> stuff out. Um, and by yesterday, I, I mean, Wednesday, God knows when Keith actually puts this darn thing out. So, never <laughs> week from no, now. No, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> but it was Rodney, Rodney Hood Appreciation Day. People were blasting out his content, and then there is definitely a little bit more of impact when it's a guy that was injured. Hazonia wasn't injured. He's he's been healthy uh, for most of the year. So seeing him work out, you're like, oh, that's cool. He's just in the gym. Nurk, I mean, right, right. people want to see him, but like, I think people are past the point of wanting to see Nurk workout videos, knowing that they were just <laughs> days away from seeing him hit the court. You know what I mean? Uh, there was such a false like oh man like we like there, it, it was yeah. when this all happened when the quarantine kind of uh hit effect and we went into kind of lockdown here we were what three days away from nurk's return game i think it was that thursday and that sunday was when he was supposed to play something like right. that it man. was close <laughs> so yeah we got we got all our hopes up and we just don't want to be crushed again no one is uh no one's looking for those nurk workout videos <laughs> no they want to see <laughs> nurk just getting to work that's what they want to see they want to see him <laughs> on the court which is going to be crazy because if the season does return Excuse me. If the season does return and it sounds like that's really what they're pushing for, I mean, you want to talk about just like mental hurdles. Yeah, getting back to the game is going to be fun, but getting back, Nurk returning to the court for the first time in over a year without a single fan in the stand when he was supposed right. to make his return in front of the Moda Center crowd, uh, I think that's going to be crazy because I also think the, the mental part of getting back on the court and getting – the, I could injure myself again out of your head. Little things like that are helped by having 20,000 people just roaring for you the entire Absolutely, time. Absolutely, yeah. Or even if you're in a visiting arena, having 20,000 people boo you just to get your, your juices <laughs> going, you know? Either way, it's part of the game that these players feed off of. So playing in an empty gym is just kind of going to be kind of weird. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's. Uh, I actually heard them talking about something similar on the, the No Show 
um, I think uh, maybe last week or, or the other day or something like that. But yeah, shout out to Brian No and I think it was uh, Brad Botkin from NBC. Uh, they were talking about how we've been discussing a lot about, you know, and if the NBA comes back without fans, how weird it will be to watch. But yeah, to think about what it will be like without to, to play without fans around, it, it really is the impact of having a crowd react to anything you're doing is really huge. For anyone that's ever been on right. stage is, is going to know this. You know, even in front of a, a small crowd at a small little rock venue in, in, with your, you know, high school garage band or something like that, the the audience makes a difference. You, you feel that kind of thing. And so to have, a, like you said, a 20,000-person arena uh, react in one way or another or the lack thereof, it's, it's going to be a big difference. And especially yeah. for a player like Nurk, we've seen so much of his game relying on kind of that emotional... Uh, stability i guess maybe or kind of how he's feeling uh on on the outside he kind of really wears that on his sleeve and yeah that could really uh it could be a factor it could definitely be a thing just imagine too like i was gonna say like you just look at like last year's playoffs like so this season starts you play a handful of games you go right into the playoffs what if you get another game that's similar to okc in portland or Toronto and Philadelphia, where you have that Kawhi Leonard crazy shot, or you have Damian right. Lillard's crazy shot, and you have that shot with no fan reaction. No one's there. Like that's <laughs> just gotta be such a weird feeling. Like you, you're just expecting to hear just this uproar so loud that the roof blows off, and instead it's just you and you know ten other guys like just like getting all excited. And if are you even allowed to dogpile? No, you got to stay six feet apart <laughs> when you dogpile. That's going to be a, a social distancing something. I don't know what you call it, but it, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. But I think at this point, uh, it's cool. It creates – and, and cool, I, I feel bad. That's a, it's a weird word to use, given all the circumstances. But I think when you try to find your silver linings or your positives in this is the fact that like it is kind of cool if they go – and play in these empty arenas because it's it's unprecedented. It's something that we've never seen before. And then it's, it's true, something man. that you can look back and, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, tell, tell your family or your kids or whatever about, you know, the time that I watched the Blazers play the Thunder at the Magic Kingdom. And they're like, what? And they're like, yeah, they played <laughs> in freaking Disney World, dude. It was nuts. Like, they, they, they played in the little, like, quarter court that's inside the Matterhorn in Disneyland. Like, <laughs> like you know, they had some fun with it. But it, it's so, so you, when you take that, it, it's kind of interesting to see what's going to happen. Yeah, it's, I, I'm still not even sure how to feel about it, man. It's, it's, on one hand, I don't, I, I think we can all agree that if we were, if safety was the priority, like if money was not on the table and it was just about safety, we wouldn't be coming back yet. It's, I, I, I don't know, maybe that's, some people might think it's a little too extreme, but I, I think if there was only one factor, we wouldn't be having this discussion. But it, obviously, it, we all live in the real world. That is not just the only factor. The economy that is suffering is out there. People's uh, uh, income and like their ability to support themselves because there's been such a lack of help from uh, the the powers that be or whatnot. Uh, yeah, we need to have this. We need to have something going. And sports are such a huge part of that mm-hmm. economy and getting things back out there. And so many businesses uh, run around this. It it's hard to know what the right move is here. And even among players, I think there's a lot of question. I, okay, here, let's get on the nuts and bolts of this for a second as far as what they're talking about with cool. the format coming back. Uh, Woj and Lowe announced that the NBA is coming back. They, they're putting out guidelines to resume the season on June 1st. That is not saying resume basketball immediately, but they're saying on June 1st, they would have two weeks of recalling players back from wherever they are, getting them back to kind of their, their team markets. And that would still be two weeks of quarantine. Like players are still in isolation at that point, just kind of getting back in shape. Then another one to two weeks of individual workouts at team facilities. Then two to three weeks of formal training camp. And then a two-site kind of idea. Like you mentioned, uh, Disneyland in Orlando also talks about Vegas or possibly Houston, I guess, because they have a lot of facilities that go close together. So you can have that same kind of like isolated campus idea. Uh, That means... At earliest, you're starting the season. You're starting this back up mid-July uh, if they get started on June 1st. If you're starting up mid-July, are we talking all 30 teams or are we talking just the 16 playoff teams? Uh, what if any of the, t- uh, the players on, even if we're just talking 16 playoff teams, what if any one player says, no, I'm prioritizing my family right now. I don't think it's safe to come back. I'm not ready for this. We've heard comments from CJ McCollum. Uh, when there was that whole, you know, kind of informal survey from the NBA Players Association, CJ has been kind of vocal about saying that 
he wants to be patient. He's not really ready to come back. He wants to be safe about it. James Harden had some comments talking about, uh, you know, he wants to wait until it's all the way died down or all the way minimum, uh, all the way down to a minimum or something like that. Calm down to a minimum. So, like, what if any of these players say, no, I'm not really down with this? And I don't know, it's, it seems crazy. Are, do you really think this is going to happen? Like, if you had to put money on it right now, is the NBA going to start up on June 1st? I think so. I mean, maybe not June Maybe not June 1st. It seems like it's really close, but they're going to do everything they can to start. And, and why wouldn't you? You, you, you want to get back to some semblance of normal, whatever that is. And, and I understand the arguments about player safety and all this, but think about this, Keith. If you said that they wouldn't even play a game until mid-July, okay, if, you, if I quarantine them and they do their thing at, at Disney World or whatever city they're going to do this in, and they start that on June 1st and come July, it's game time. You haven't had any virus outbreaks and everything's healthy. Then why why, why be afraid to go play those games? Go play them. If you have. Okay, yeah. No, no, no. Don't. No, I'm on you're, this you're one. Gonna, okay. <laughs> do now, it, do if it. you have a, if you have a guy like if you have a guy like a James Harden or a CJ McCollum or anyone who feels that their safety is compromised or that they don't they just don't feel safe doing that. I, then good on them they don't have to come back i don't think the league should have to mandate that any player is forced to come back i think that's just ridiculous to to put them in a situation that they don't want to be in and guess what? so how does that work then like like let's 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 pause how, how does how does that happen if like if, if we're gonna have a playoff situation and you had lebron say no he's not he'd rather stay safe and home with his family who do the lakers who cares do? Th then they go play without lebron who cares? Okay, okay. Does it matter? Wow. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Keith. It, it, so, so say LeBron doesn't want to do that. He doesn't go play. Does it ruin the Lakers' chances of winning a title uh, in, in this crazy year? Sure it does, because they lose the best player in, in the world. But no matter what happens, no matter who wins, no matter who plays, no matter whether they do the rest of this season or not, there's going to be an asterisk. 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 There's, a fun, there's a fun word to say with braces <laughs> in your mouth. Uh, but there is going to be that little fun little symbol next to the next to the, the, the year because of what's going on. And, and it's not like a negative thing. It's not like putting one there for the steroids era. It's like, hey, read the footnotes. This team won the year dur during the quarantine. So right. like if if a bunch of these players decide they don't want to play, why stop the other, say, 95 percent? that do want to go play. And at this point, if Damian Lillard decides that he doesn't want to play and CJ McCollum doesn't want to play as a Blazer fan and a basketball fan, you're like, you know what? But Ant and Gary do, and we're going to get some basketball out of this. And it doesn't necessarily, maybe your star isn't in it, but you get a chance to watch basketball. And no matter who is wearing that uniform for that two and a half, three hours plus, you just get to watch what makes you happy. And for that two and a half, three, four hours, whatever it is, you're not thinking about the coronavirus. You're just enjoying the basketball. Yeah. And it brings <laughs> yeah. a little bit of, again, just normalcy back to life and i know it's a completely different situation but it's only it's it's the only thing similar that people like you and i uh can connect with and that is 9-11 there was all the talk about when is too soon when is the right time to bring sports yeah, back yeah, that's right but once sports came back there was a weird connection with sports and society and once sports came back there was like this feeling that the, the weight had been lifted off your shoulders. There was a sense, again, of normalcy to watch what what is now the, the famous clip of, of President Bush throwing out the first pitch and it still sends chills down your spines. Like just the little things that just bring you back and then you can go and you can watch this baseball game at the time and just think of baseball and not terrorist attacks and safety and things like that. And just, again, get back to normalcy. And again, I'm not comparing by any stretch of the imagination a, a global pandemic to a terrorist attack. But right, the right. similarity between, again, what dealing with and when you get back to normal. Like how does society come back? Yeah. And I say you do it, Keith. Again, if LeBron doesn't want to play, James doesn't want to play, or any other stars don't want to play, that's fine. Now, if you start doing the math and you're like, okay, 40% of our players don't want to play, now there's no point. Now there's no point. Like that, you, you got to be diplomatic, right? But if there's just a handful of players that don't want to, and there are a lot of them that do, then I think you go forward because the players that do want to go play, same thing I've been saying this whole time, they want a sense of their normalcy back. They want to go do that. And maybe there's players out there, you know, you look at like a dame who has has a son and a family. Maybe there's players out there who 
don't they don't have kids they don't have a significant other they've just been sitting in their apartment by themselves just jonesing <laughs> to get on the court you know what i mean there's just it, it, and maybe it is maybe this is a whole situation keith of you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, because it's just one of those situations where there's always going to be someone who's going to argue against it or for it. But to me, if you take your necessary precautions to make sure your players are safe, and that is the key in all of this, then what harm is there in trying it out? Look at the phases of, of reopening here. Some people say it's a bad idea. Some people say it's a good idea. But if you start to do your phasing and you realize that you can make this happen, then you do it. But then if something happens that proves that it's dangerous to continue moving forward, then you start pulling back a little bit. You, you just monitor the situation. And the way Adam Silver has handled this, like I have more faith in Adam Silver and the NBA's ability to do this smartly, not necessarily thinking about the money aspect of things, more so than I trust the NFL's ability to do that. Absolutely. The NFL, the NFL <laughs> doesn't care. The NFL has never cared. But if, if Adam Silver was in the NBA, we're all worried about money and all this stuff that you alluded to uh, when you when you brought this topic up. How much money are they losing by not having 20,000 people in an arena, by not having concession stands up and running? Like all these things that bring in revenue for that game. Like Major League Baseball said that if they don't have fans in the stands, they stand to lose like what, $650,000 per game, which sounds high considering half the time it feels like those stadiums are empty, but that's what happens when you play 160 <laughs> games a season. But it's just, man, I just want that sense of normalcy back. And I want to do it in a way that makes sure the players are safe. Because the last thing I want, the last thing Adam Silver wants, the last thing Neil O'Shea wants, the last thing anybody wants is for the Blazers to go to whatever city they decided to go to. And then someone gets sick. And then that person right. gets their family sick. And then someone dies of it. But if you take all the necessary precautions and do what you need to do to make sure that you, you are in a bubble that you feel safe to move forward with, you do it. I do think the NBA is better equipped and, and better, I guess, prepared and aware to try and do this safely and in a way that is not just about the economic gain. I agree with you on all that. that I, I trust them a lot more than the NFL, than the MLS, than uh, a lot of other, not just sports leagues, uh, but industries out there as far as uh, you know, having a, the having the greater good uh, for the people more so than just the, the company's profits uh, in mind. But, I, the, you know, you brought it up as well. I do think even if you only have 16 teams, not all 30, so we're starting limiting numbers, when they've talked about the number of people you would need involved for a single team uh, when it comes to players, coaching staff, trainers, uh, security, all the rest of it, to have that for 16 teams and to expect... You know, like obviously, I think uh, there was some other quote I saw from I think Jared Dudley. He's talking to Rachel Nichols about these players aren't going to be like quarantined. Like they're going to be between games. It's not like they're going straight back to their building. They are going to be kind of going out in the local area. They will be told to be safe. They'll told to kind of you know follow proper protocols. But when you have that many people involved, I, I in, in my opinion, this is inevitable that there will be someone that is seeing that test positive. And again, then you just you risk more of a breakout. So I'm with you that I want the normalcy back, but I also feel like. If we take too many chances too early, you're just extending how long we have to deal with this overall. And I get that, but at the same time, I mean, if you're going to say that this, it's inevitable that someone's going to test positive, it probably is, but that's just the law of averages with, with anything. Unless, unless you put an, a, a shutdown button on everything and the, the, the gates on my windows and my doors come down and no one can leave their house for the next 14 days in the entire world, that's the only way <laughs> that you're going to absolutely eliminate this. But again, if you if you take those precautions, you can do it. Look at what the UFC has been doing. I just, They've been putting on events, and they have they had one one fighter and a couple right? members of his camp test positive. They were able to get them out of the venue that they were but in again, at the, the hotel. No other big no other there. fighters have tested positive. No, what's the big difference? Please. The, the big difference me. there is is that that's a single player and his team. We're talking about. At most, maybe let's say a dozen people. The NBA, a single team, is going to have 60, 80, near 100 maybe people. And so it, it just, if you have a single positive test, it's going to be that much harder to, to contain. I agree with what you said, though. The NBA is better suited than most leagues and most organizations to handle this appropriately, to think ahead about these steps and to try and be on the safe side. I'm sure they will have 
temperature checks at all the uh, all the outlets and the venues. But I'm just saying the, the quote from Jared Dudley when he was talking with Rachel Nichols when they were doing that interview, to hear a player even say, like, look, you know, you just have to admit, you have to understand the players are not going to be on lockdown. It just mm-hmm. seems to be admitting right there. It's like, well, then why are we doing this? It's too well, early. If you, but if you have if you have places such as a Florida or other situations that have lifted some of their lockdown precautions, why why would why would you not go do that? That, 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 that here's the thing. They've said you're right. We're already there. screwed. So no, <laughs> Sorry, right. Really, pretty much. <laughs> I'm just playing. And again, I'm just arguing for for both sides good, here. Man. So we're we're, we're good uh, yin and yang, if you will, uh, good and bad here. But the, the UFC, you talk about that. It's not like when the Blazers go on the road. It's not like they send a hundred people on the damn road, dude. Like you got you got their players, you got your coaches, you got your coaching staff, you got your training staff, a couple auxiliary guys. Let's say it's 30, 30 people, okay? And, and the UFC, you, you, yes, it's on a smaller scale, but you got that one fighter. You got his main coach. You got all his cor- uh, corner men. Not only do you have that, you have people that he was in his camp with. They may not be in that particular venue, but you have the fighters that he trained with. And if, if he was exposed to that fighter, that fighter was exposed to his trainers. Absolutely, and yeah. so that, that snowballs out of control too. The UFC, although a much smaller sample compared to the NBA or any other league, does give you a little bit of an example of how things can be done. They've done a very good job over the first last two weeks being able to hold events, being able to make sure their their fighters were in safe safe spaces, taking care of situations if, if positive tests did pop up. And, and again, you look at that and you, you could say, okay, I can't replicate that absolutely perfectly, but I can take what they're doing, learn from that, and find a way to replicate it to the best of my abilities with my league on a larger scale. If you never, and this is the other argument, but it's like if you never look at these things and then go say, okay, can we do this? Can we take this risk? We feel good in it. Like, you're just never going to know what could have been. And uh, I am, for one here, like, I want to be safe, but I don't also want to sit in fear thinking about every little thing that could go wrong. I want to think about what could go right, how can I make sure that things don't go wrong, and have all my plans in place to make sure that if something does appear to go wrong, I can fix it and ready, continue yeah. to move on. And if you here's if you go out, Keith, if you go out and you try to do this for the league, for the players, for the fans, and one weekend a player tests positive and you do everything you can and you're like, nope, this isn't going to happen, then you ship everybody back. You, you took your shot. You missed. Like You think so? You, th- you think they'll shut it down if they have? Because, again, if we're talking about some players can opt out from the get-go, if James Harden opts out, opts out or something like that, C.J. McCollum opts out, well, I mean, again, if, if they're only doing playoff teams, C.J. wouldn't be involved. But if James Harden opts out or if LeBron or A.D. opted out, and then in addition to that, you have, like you said, one or two tests, you think they'll just shut it down? Because I, I, no. I feel like if, if they're at that point where they're, if they say we will play without some players, I don't see where they stop. Like it, it could just become almost kind of a, you know, like the, the bench units kind of playing ball. If I, I again, it just it seems like, uh, I don't know. It's I, I'm with you <laughs> that I, I want it to come back. I want them to try something. And if they are ready for these players to uh to you know have to be shut down as soon as there is a, a positive test, then you know let's let's see what happens. Uh, but man, <laughs> it just seems like you're playing with fire a little bit. Uh. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I am curious. Hey, before before the next big debate that we get to, we will talk about <laughs> uh, that one in a second. But we haven't talked about The Last Dance on here too much. We uh, discussed the first four episodes when those came out. Obviously, that has been several weeks ago. Uh, we took a couple weeks off uh, as well. Just had other things to kind of discuss last time with Varun. Shout out to him. Hey! But, uh, you know, I don't know. Episodes five and six. Uh, safe to assume you watched all ten of these, right, Chris? I'm mm-hmm. sure you took. I'm t- sure you took detailed notes. Uh, of course, episodes five and six. You know they were not so much of anything, in my opinion. But in seven and eight, you had uh, the Quentin Pippin story about kind of like where he felt he wasn't getting the respect he deserved uh, when Kukoc got that last shot and the, all the contract issues. Uh, there was a lot of question of Jordan and the price of competitiveness. You know him talking about uh, was he too much of an asshole to teammates and all that kind of stuff. Uh, then in nine and ten, you had MJ versus Reggie in that last uh, the, that last game. You had the flu game, uh, some interesting stuff about the Jordan Bar, in my opinion, and then the Jazz series. Anything? What what stuck out to you? What kind of uh, grabbed you the most in this when you were watching it? 
all of it. <laughs> all of it. Michael Jordan, as uh, Carl Malone would say. Do you see that clip? Yes. <laughs> what comes to mind when I say the word Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. No, it all, it all grabbed me. I think what, what's interesting is is some of the stories you're getting uh, on the internet. Don't know what's believable and what's not about how uh, perhaps Scottie Pippen was miffed about how he was portrayed in The Last Dance. You know, Horace Grant has has come out and said a couple things about the documentary he wasn't yep. um, very impressed with either. But again, I think you look at that and you're like, welcome to welcome to the MJ experience, man. If he right. had a he had a creative creative say in how that was produced, and he kind of <laughs> he kind of produced that documentary exactly how he produced six championships for the Bulls, man. Like taking taking control, you know. Um, I think it's interesting if if Scotty really did get miffed because he you know didn't get the last shot over Ku Coach. That's kind of I think that's kind of cheesy. Like, dude, like Ku Coach was a good player too. Like, it's there's five players on the court. I mean, CJ isn't getting mad that Dame is the one who got the glory for getting the shot over OKC and Dame isn't mad anytime CJ gets it gets a last shot. So well but uh, I, I think just, more I of think it's the I think it's more the idea like if Dame was injured and out and then yeah. uh CJ was the leader of the team when it's taking the team <laughs> for, far and then you know he has to pass off uh pass the ball off to you know Zach Collins hey. uh coming off the bench from injury or something like that. I don't know. You know I trust I trust Zach. I trust Zach. I think CJ would too. No, I'm with you. I yeah. that that might it felt like a little bit of a constructed line there with that part. Oh yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Con- the contract stuff was interesting with Pippen, where he signed up to cover his family and get, I, I guess, long term, uh, uh, a long term contract at the time. But it was much less money overall. And when you actually see the numbers, I don't have any of it in front of me. But when you see what Jordan was getting paid, I think it was something like ten times what Pippen was making. And then you see the numbers as far as Pippen being far and away the second the, the best second guy on any team out there you know he's uh outside of michael, J- michael jordan he's leading the league and all these other stat groups and the the pay difference I, you know i can understand the frustration from it i thought there was some cool lessons in there about you know yeah the economics around the league and honestly i think you can make a whole nother documentary just on that just on kind of the idea of uh how pay structures work in the nba how players that are making so many millions of dollars, yet we still hear Kendrick Perkins today on the jump talking about how some of these players aren't financially secure right now. Uh, yeah. It's it's a it's a weird thing to hear when obviously there's people at home who are missing their you know 35k a year paycheck, and that's really affecting them. To then hear that these millionaires are having a tough time, it's I I, I could see a whole documentary just on that whole kind of economic system in there. But yeah, I don't know. It's I think one of the things that really stuck with me at the end of this was kind of the the Jordan competitiveness stuff. We saw some of it in episode eight, uh, where he he got teared up. He he wouldn't apologize for anything that he does. Honestly, he never really owned any of the faults, any of the shortcomings. Uh, and he, you know, there's I think it was the end of episode eight where he kind of got teared up at the end and kind of leaned off camera to kind of avoid being maybe caught too much on it. It was it was mm-hmm. a good moment, man. And again, they had the uh, same kind of thing at the end of episode ten and in the whole series with a. Uh, you know, Jordan at the end just kind of talking about, uh, oh, it was it was watching the clip of Jerry Reinsdorf explaining why they didn't bring the team back for a seventh, uh, a shot of seventh chip, right? And MJ said he'd never seen this uh, stuff before, uh, talking about basically how Phil Jackson was given a chance to come back after all and wasn't really in on it. And MJ got super emotional saying that, you know, if you'd given the whole team one-year contracts, they all would have been down for it. Uh, and it, he, uh, the the big quote was something about the journalist asked him something about uh, was it maddening for you or satisfying to have left at your peak? And he said he was absolutely maddening because he felt like they could have won seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of stuff, you know, the, the lessons on of Jordan and competitiveness and the the push and the drive. That stuff is, I think, what this documentary was really about to me. But even then, it gets murked up in kind of you know you saw. I don't know, like, like, again, episode eight, where it was about the price of all this. Like, how much did it really, what is the price to be that competitive? All the teammates might have hated him. He was really kind of an yeah. asshole to a lot of these guys. And here's, the, here's is that the really, thing. Is that the way you want to be? Yes. Yeah. If you're going to be good, it's the way you have to be. And here's the thing. This is what I learned uh, in my experience being uh, doing amateur bodybuilding competitions which I was never good at because I didn't have that competitive nature that, that Jordan has. But what set the winners apart from me and what sets the pros apart from the amateurs is their ability. And weightlifting is just a great example of it because to be a good bodybuilder, you have to be one of the most selfish people possible. 
And I mean that because everything has to revolve around you. You are eating your meals on what every two hours on the hour you have to choose you, which is going to the gym over going out and hanging out with your friends. Like a lot of these people who are at the peak of their bodybuilding careers don't have huge social lives because their so their, their social life is, you know, work, gym, work, gym. And it's a sacrifice that they were willing to make to go be the absolute best in the world of bodybuilding. And I bring that up because it's similar to getting to the top in any other sport. You have to give up a lot. You have to be selfish to a point to get to the point where you're so good that you had the time to put in the hours in the gym, the hours in the in the practice facility, the hours wherever it was to be considered one of the top percent. So that selfishness kind of comes along with it. It's bred in you at a point because, hey, Keith calls you and says, hey, Chris, we're going out to the bar. Want to come out? It's me and a bunch of our friends. Of course, this is probably like, what, three years from now at the pace we're going to reopen bars <laughs> before you invite me <laughs> right. to the bar. Uh, but uh, <laughs> no, we're going out and you're like, no, I can't because I got to get to the gym. I got to go put my stuff in. And then your friends start going, oh, that, that guy's selfish. He never wants to hang out. Why does he not? Why blah, blah, blah. And it's like, because <laughs> I have goals and I'm doing everything I can to achieve them. And uh, again, different sports, but that's what it reminded me of with MJ. There's that selfishness, that drive. I'm better than you. Of course I am. I'm going to think that because why not? I always like, I always get mad when someone says like, uh, yeah, yeah. Like if Russell Westbrook says, yeah, I'm better than Damian Lillard. Of course I'm better than Damian Lillard. And then fans get mad. Like why? You know, Russell, like, do you think Russell, Wells, Russell Westbrook with his incredible competitive nature is going to walk in anywhere and go, yeah, like, uh, oh, so Dame is better than me. I'm pretty sure uh, Kyrie Irving's better than me. Uh, Kyle Lowry is, like, right on par. Like, no. Like, he, I'm better than everybody. It's that bulldog mentality. And, Le like, Kobe had it. MJ has it. Like, the greats have it. Sometimes you get a player well, yeah. that's just a little too soft and it makes them easy to push over, man. I don't like that. I I, 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 I don't like, here's the thing from my, and, and I'm sorry, I'm rambling for all of you listeners. No, you're, sometimes you're good, I'm like, you're I, ha I had a point and then I start talking and I forget it. I'm like, <laughs> I am like, I am the smaller Hawaiian version of Bill Walton sometimes. Like, like <laughs> my randomness of rambling. So, so, so I, I apologize there, but no, you have to have that mentality to be one of the greats, man. I, I really, you do. I believe that. I, I, I'm not arguing you need the competitive mentality to be one of the greats, but what we saw in this documentary with Michael Jordan was that it wasn't just a mentality about pushing things on the court. He was he was a full on asshole. Like there's no argument. Like, he had, I again he doesn't admit to any shortcomings or any faults in any <laughs> of this. It, it was it was it's psychological how crazy he, even to this day you see the modern day Jordan still unable to admit any wrongdoing or any fault in any of this. But then to the when he does get kind of pushed by maybe some of these interviewers and asked, you know, to really kind of skirt that line. He gets emotional real quick about any having to give having having to give any sort of ground on on this idea that he did anything not right. And I don't know, it's I, I'm with you that we need that competitive edge, but I think there is something about I think a lot of the guys you see in the modern NBA can have that competitive edge without having to be Kobe, without having to be Michael Jordan, honestly. And maybe part of this is the evolution, maybe because they grew up watching these guys, seeing these greats. And, you know, in the same way that Michael Jordan... Look, okay, I said we were going to wait for the the GOAT debate, but I feel like we're already there if I start talking about this. Let's just... Okay. I mean, I, I feel like this really just does kind of blend over to the, the, the GOAT debate that comes out of this afterwards is, are you on Team LeBron or Team Jordan as far as being the greatest of all time? And honestly let's do a precursor here i think there's plenty of debate to say there's another goat it's neither of them there are other players that depending on your definition of goat if you're talking about just what they did on the court there are dudes out there that did things before jordan uh that far surpassed what he did but that you never hear the names like kareem abdul jabbar and some of these other greats of the game because people are going to say oh the game changed too much since then well the game has changed a lot since jordan too so no oh, absolutely it, I, so I'm just saying precursor right off the bat, the whole idea that you can really compare LeBron to, uh, to Jordan, there, it's, it's not an argument you can have. That being I, said, I, I think it's interesting when you yeah, I think it's interesting when you when you compare LeBron to Jordan because I, I get that you want to do it in like the goat conversation, but I don't like the conversation because their play style 
it, like they're two differently two completely different players like i like the comparison between kobe and mj much better because their play style Absolutely. was so similar yeah. like i actually if when you watch clips like go back and watch the 77 championship series against philadelphia watch dr j and tell me dr j was not a 1970s version of LeBron James. I like that comparison to LeBron James much more than I like trying to compare Michael Jordan because they're they're so different. The, the, the thing that draws them together is the fact that they're easily the best player of their respective era. But like the GOAT debate, like it's 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 interesting to get into. I I, I just find it hard to compare them when I feel that their games are just are just different. Like I like I said, I like the, the debate yeah. between Kobe and MJ better because you watch them play and they play so similar. I'm taking MJ over Kobe and I'm taking MJ over LeBron if you want to get into the GOAT conversation. There's just <laughs> something special about him. This guy came into came into the league, tore the league up, won three straight championships as the best player in the entire league, took a year off, year and a half off comes back dominates takes takes more time off comes back as a 38 year old and still puts up points like still makes an all-star game and tears the league up at 38 years old and there's not a lot of players that can do that and uh, absolutely he's the great and that's where lebron comes into that conversation is because the fact you look at lebron now in his 30s playing like he's in his 20s looking like there's no end to that he has to be in the conversation uh, but getting mad people who get mad when someone says oh this person isn't the great like no we can have a fun debate about it but there is no answer to me there yeah. is like there, there just is not an answer to who the greatest of all time is because they're so different there's so many things that go into it like i love when someone wants to say that 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 lebron is definitively definitively the greatest and i'm like yeah okay and you were born when? You're like, yeah, you know, 2002. <laughs> I'm, eight, I'm 18 years old. So you never right, saw Le you never saw Michael, and you're just gonna throw him to the side. Like you brought up a great one. Like people talk about like a, a, a Wilt Chamberlain, right? Absolutely right, uh, right. up there. Uh, a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, absolutely up there. Doctor J, you mentioned Bill too, yeah. Bill Russell, absolutely up there. Doctor J should be up there. To me, I think you start getting into like this core like. It's so hard to pick one. Give me like 10, like my top 10 of all time. And then people are going to tell you that's a cop out. So in the interest of not <laughs> copping out, and I'm going to just go against myself here because I never got a chance to see Wilt play all those games. I never got a chance to see Kareem play all those games. I did get the death stare from him one time, but that's an entirely another story. But I think I think it's I think it's Wait, Michael. What? No, hold up. Go back to that. <laughs> Please continue. Oh, when I, don't don't, okay, don't so, know the story. I don't want to hear that one. Tangent. When I was when I was in the marching <laughs> band at the University of Oregon, we're doing our pregame show. UCLA's in town. And uh we're doing our pregame show, getting ready for the team to come on. I'm on top of my ladder, I'm conducting the fight song, getting the fans hyped, this big 15-foot ladder, and we get done. I start climbing down the ladder. And as I'm climbing down the ladder, he wasn't there when I climbed up the ladder, but there is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar sitting on the UCLA bench, <laughs> which like my the bottom of my ladder was like touching the ladder. Oh so like God. I almost like I didn't know anyone was down there. So I get down there. I probably almost kicked him in the face. And then like I get down, <laughs> I look and like I look at him. I realize, oh, my God, that's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And he is just freaking death staring me. I mean, this is a podcast, so y'all can't see, but I mean, it's just staring at do? me. About crap my pants, because freaking it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, regardless of the death star. I'm like, oh my God, that's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And I was just like, all right, see ya. I grabbed my ladder and left, and the dude like followed me. Like, I was like a jerk. I'm like, dude, you snuck up and sat behind my ladder. I'm sorry that I almost hit you as I was coming down. Uh, I wasn't really paying attention to who might be sitting on the bench. Uh, Is yeah, that why he's yeah, death that... staring you? It, was, he, was he giving you the glare because you like maybe almost kicked him in the face or something? No, I don't think I really almost came that close to kicking him. I think it was more the competitive nature of a UCLA like, okay, guy seeing team. a guy wow. a guy who was head to toe uh, in Oregon Duck gear because the band uniform oh. is all green and yellow. There's Oregon O's uh, yeah, okay. all over it, giving me the what the F are you doing on my side of the field right now? He's but, yeah, certainly not smiling at you. Yeah, we're in that gear. He's not going to smile. He's not going to shake your hand. They're not signing an yeah. autograph at that point. Wow. Probably wouldn't, <laughs> probably wouldn't take a picture. Mad respect. But see, th there you go. That ties right into the conversation we're having to get off the tangent back to this. The competitive nature of Kareem. Right there, mm -hmm. I feel like if you, if you made a doc, a 10-part documentary on Kareem, that kind of thing would be all over the place, probably. The idea that even to this day, he's not going to look at someone in the opponent's gear and do anything but that death stare. 
But you right. don't hear about him in this goat debate. And I, I like, I don't know. It's I, I'm not. I know this is all coming off as MJ hate. <laughs> no, but I, I just, I just feel like it's one of these things where it just seems here's like a, he. Here's the thing with MJ, and this what? is why I think the argument stops with him being the greatest of all time. It's because when you look at a guy like LeBron, who's yeah, it's 2020, so like 20, 30 years after, after 30 years after MJ's prime, people look at LeBron like, is he the greatest of all time? Is he greater than MJ? They want to compare him to MJ, right? And then if you go back prior to MJ and you bring up a Kareem, you bring up a Bill, you bring up a, a, a Chamberlain, you bring up anyone you want to, a Dr. J, even though they were 20 years before, people go, yeah, but, but what about MJ? But what about MJ? Right, For some right. reason, even if, a, even if a person isn't arguing for MJ being the greatest, the argument always comes back to comparing whatever player they are arguing for to Michael Jordan. And that is the reason it, it, he has to be the greatest because he's always okay. the one that people compare to when they try to bring up a GOAT argument. So, okay, hold on. That's right. Take so that, that, is a, that is a great point. And I, I hear what you're saying, but my argument against that would be that this was the point in basketball where it, it was it was a turning point in basketball it was it was like like literally what you're saying is that he's like the jesus of the basketball timeline and i think you're right where he's like the zero everything before is bc everything after is ad uh but again, I'm going to a quote here that I wrote this down because it fit this perfectly, and I'm glad I did. David Stern, at the end of episode 10 of The Last Dance, David Stern's quote is saying, in 1992, the NBA was in 80 countries. Now it's in 215 countries. Anyone who understands that phenomenon, that historical arc, will understand that MJ and his era played an incredible, important part in it, and he advanced this tremendously. So, <clears throat> again, not saying that MJ is not fantastic, but I'm just saying a lot of the credit, a lot of the reason that he is always at the head of these conversations, not Kareem, not other guys, is because of the timeline, because of the arc and where the wave of basketball was at at the time and how he really surfed on the front of that wave. He led the charge for basketball in the NBA and the culture of it. But I'm just saying the other things you saw in this, the, the asshole that MJ was, the shortcomings that he had on other sides, and then you compare that to... Like LeBron nowadays, what he does off the court, the social awareness, the other projects he does. I just don't, I I think that has to be a factor, man. And look, okay, shout out to Ty Delbridge, the other, uh, the co-host of the show here. He had a tweet about this exact topic. I was hoping to get him in here, but obviously he has the, the real life things that come first. And he has to handle the family business. But he had a tweet the other day. I now understand why Michael Jordan is considered the GOAT. I went into this documentary saying it was LeBron James, but until LeBron's career is over, I have to agree that right now Jordan is the GOAT. So again, this is a young kid, younger than both of us, Chris. Uh, he was born... What was he? he said the other week? I think he was born in 96, so he was born the year Jordan won. I don't remember exactly what it was, but his perspective is different from ours on this, and he has changed from Team LeBron to Team MJ, but he put in that qualifier until LeBron's career is over. So even the fact that we put qualifiers on that right there, you're saying that the conversation always comes back to MJ. I think that it's always, always going to come back to LeBron just as much. If, if, no. when, when LeBron's career is over, I would argue that he's going to be just as high of a, a pinnacle, just not not at the same timeline in basketball. I don't think so. You don't think there's think anything LeBron, there? I, I think LeBron is great. I think you're going to talk about him because he deserves to be talked about. But I think, I think 20 years from now, when some kid who is – three years old sitting on their couch right now whose dad was watching the last dance he wants to be a basketball player and he goes he makes it to the nba he ends up being the best player in the nba they're going to bring up michael jordan 20 years from now F 50 years after michael jordan tore it up in the 90s they're going to bring it up because michael jordan I is the goat maybe they bring up lebron in there too maybe oh maybe, oh yeah. is, he, is he is he in the lebron the mj spectrum is he is he up there with those two but even then, I don't think you're going to see an argument where it's just just LeBron by himself. There's going to no, be MJ in there too. I don't think he'll be LeBron by himself, but I don't think he should be MJ by himself. Look, look when when you're a kid and you're learning about the presidents of the United States, at first you know George Washington, then you learn there's George and Abraham Lincoln, then you start learning other presidents. Now as an adult, you learn more about political history. You learn about the rest of them, other figures. <laughs> this is a horrible comparison, but the point being is that it's not just George Washington. Like it, eventually, the conversation you have to realize it—you can't have—is like we said in the beginning of this. You can't have 
any real goat because it's always going to be about these qualifiers, like Ty said. When LeBron's career is over, the argument might change. You're going to have other things about you know, how do how do you really define goat? Is it just about on court stuff, or is it on and off court? Is it about social impact? Uh, what other other factors, obviously? And yeah, I don't know. It's a uh, <laughs> it's a it's a wonderful debate that has no answer, similar to the debate of should the NBA come back now or not. So, really, we've talked about a whole lot of nothing today, Chris. Hey, we've just had a conversation. I think we should start our own podcast and just call it "Good and Bad" since we don't agree on anything. Like I'll yeah, be the good I, bad argument, you'll be the bad argument, and we'll just debate till the sun goes down. I think it's uh I think it's gonna happen, and uh, honestly, uh, with uh with Ty having to take care of the family business again, shout <laughs> out to him and best of luck to it. I think that that debate spot will probably be right here for a while. So uh, no, we'll I'm gonna see. I'm we'll gonna see. pull you away as much as possible. I'm gonna uh, yeah, there you go. Twist your but here's here, here's the thing. Like I'm not gonna we could get in the in into the goat debate. But I'm not going to think someone's wrong for wanting to 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 go with LeBron. I'm going to argue against right. them, and I'm going to give them why I think it's my, it's MJ. But there's things that that factor into this, and there I think maybe like rather than have, does there have to be a goat? Does there have to no. be a goat? Can't we just admit that? Holy shit! LeBron James is one of the best players to ever lace him up, and so is Michael Jordan. And so is Kareem, and so is Bill Russell, and so is yep. Larry Bird, and so is Magic. Like these guys are all absolute greats, and there's things that make them great. Now Channing Fry over here uh, with me at NBC Sports is still crazy, <laughs> right. saying that all Michael Jordan is is a scorer because yeah, he's uh, you know all league <laughs> defense and MVP. He's just feeding the trolls. Just at that lock point, people man. down. I mean, I go down on this. I say, and I've said this before on record, and I'll say it again. I don't think LeBron is the greatest basketball player uh, of recent memory. I would have taken Kobe Bryant just as a pure basketball player. Like, and hear me out before you, everyone's Kobe going, what the hell LeBron. is this guy talking about? I would have taken oh, Kobe no. just as a pure. No, listen, listen, because there's a thing here that sets him <laughs> apart. I would have taken Kobe just as a pure basketball player just a basketball savant a guy who just knew that game in and out was unbelievably talented and just incredible to watch i compared lebron honestly more to bo jackson in the fact that bo jackson could put a baseball bat in his hand and tear up major league baseball put on the pads tore up the nfl if he wanted to he probably could have tore up uh, the nba too I, and LeBron an is specimen. in that category because, and that's where, I, and I still think he's uh, in the goat conversation. I put him higher than Kobe. I'm just saying, if I'm just talking just pure, just watching the game of basketball and that basketball talent. But what made him transcend that and be even better was he, LeBron was incredibly talented, is incredibly talented. And then you put one of a kind, once in a generation athleticism uh, uh, on that right. too. I think LeBron is in the argument not as like the best basketball player we've ever seen and it sounds so weird but i think he is the greatest athlete we have ever seen a pure specimen that could go in and be good at any single sport he tried to play he would be i, I the dude would probably kill in soccer if you taught him how to play it properly I, he has the body and the size and he was good in high school at football he could probably do just about anything and that's something to say about that because not every good nba player is a freak athlete look at like a joe right, ingles right. right a joe ingles is a very good <laughs> basketball player can hit the three but he's not a freak athlete like, he's not a no. guy that you're looking at and you're worried about his athleticism destroying you. And you don't look at that guy and go, yeah, we can put pads on him and he's probably going to go score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And that's no disrespect against him. The dude's just more of a basketball talent. And that's why when I talk with Kobe, like, I look at Kobe and I don't look at Kobe and go, that guy is just a freak athlete who can go do anything. I go, he's an, he is an athlete, but a basketball athlete and a basketball brain. He was His body was built in a lab to play basketball. LeBron James was built in a lab to go play whatever the hell he wanted to play. <laughs> and I it's know that dominate. sounds like a weird argument, but it makes sense in my head. And I think that, that there's something there. Like there's, there's players that I would take over LeBron purely based on basketball qualifiers, but I would take LeBron over them all day long when it just put him in the, the, the list of greatest athletes. 
Sounds weird. I, know. I like it. I like it. No, no, I like it. Especially when we're we're saying the qualifiers are kind of what breaks down this whole goat debate, and you give actually a, a good qualifier that yeah, I I, I could see that I, again. It opens up whole new debates. All right, one last goat debate. One last uh, question for you before I let you go, Chris. And again, thanks so much for getting in here with me today. How about the Blazers goat? Would you go? I, I'm going to say Brandon Roy and Damian Lillard. Forget Bill Walton. Uh, man, there's some other good candidates as well. There are other people you could put up here, but. I would say that the Blazer goat debate would be Roy, B. Roy and Dame Lillard. Would you argue with that? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, I would. I, I don't. Brandon Roy doesn't shouldn't be in that debate. You're not even putting Roy in there. You're, you, you you're not going to put not Brandon go- Roy up there. No, not in the goat debate. I think I think he's great. I love him. I've argued many a time that I think his number should be in the rafters for what he did in his short amount of time here. But uh, he's he, he's not the greatest blazer uh, to ever put on that jersey. I think that that debate is between Clyde and and Dame. Clyde and Dame. Clyde just... and Dame. Clyde and Dame. And at this point in time, I give it to Clyde. He, he took him to to two NBA Finals. Man, had some of the best ap- years in franchise history. Um, granted, those those teams were stacked, but Roy was good roy was what rip city needed at the time fans were a little upset with the team following a lot of the stuff that happened in the late 90s early right. 2000s in the jailblazer era and, and they needed that beacon right that that beacon of hope that good guy to come in and kind of lead the team to a new era and roy was part of that as was lamarcus aldridge i think uh roy gets almost too much credit honestly for that because la deserves a ton as well he, he was there at the same time young leading him into that new era again i think roy is a great i think he i put him in i'd put him in like my my starting five maybe of all time blazers uh because he's not he that was, top two debate for he was he was a transcendent talent if the knees didn't give out he would have been one of the greatest of all time um i mean there was i mean his time in the nba it was like he was probably the third best shooting guard in the league. It was probably Kobe, right. D. Wade, and then Brandon Roy. And Kobe, and Kobe even said old, that Kobe he was one of the hardest. Talking about his defense. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was the hardest players to go against. Uh, but no, as as just a pure goat for this team. No, he's he's not in the conversation of the top two. I put him in the top five, uh, but and if I put him in the top five, I'm putting him at number five. But he's not he's not in the top two. In my opinion. <laughs> yeah, the the lack of actual like you know I guess. Uh, whatever you want to call it, um, awards or yeah, the the, the lack of actual kind of a, a postseason stats that you can give him uh, does hurt. And I don't know. I, I do think if he had had a longer career, I think the argument would be there. I think there's a lot of things that he did and just what he was doing. I, I hear you about Clyde too. That really, yeah, the real goat debate for Blazers would probably be Drexler versus Lillard. But honestly, even if I'm thinking about if if you could have had Roy as like a, as a theoretical healthy Roy like healthy blazer career I don't think that fans are looking at Clyde the same way man I I, I don't know I, I think that Roy had a lot going I think those numbers were up there nah, I don't but know about that I think, that's some, I think that's some Clyde Clyde hate that's some Clyde like, hate now well okay look I hate on let, MJ now I'm hating on Clyde it, it don't fits. let it's that era don't let l- MJ dog and Clyde in the last dance fool you Clyde was <laughs> one of the best players in the league at the time I agree with a lot yeah. of people who think he was, you know, the the number two to MJ's number one. He was absolutely phenomenal. He he helped lead the team, and uh, again, the teams were stacked. And I think Terry Porter deserves a ton of credit because he is probably better point guard than a lot of people give him credit for. Uh, but Definitely, Clyde Drexler is one of the greatest players of all time. Not just one of the greatest Blazers of all time. He's one of the greatest players of all time. And yes, it ended sour for Blazer fans, and he finished his career in Houston. But no, he's one of the greatest Blazers to ever put on that jersey, and deserves to be in the debate. The debate. I mean, Dame's great too, but I think Dame doesn't have to win a championship. But I think to fully get over Clyde without debate, Dame has to get this team to at least one NBA Finals, one NBA Finals. And people will go back to say that Leon, you know, yeah. Uh, Clyde took him to two, but to get to an NBA finals in this day and age, when the West is so stacked, 
I think right. one one allows for you to 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 be in that debate. Get him to an NBA Finals. To open the conversation. I think I think that's no longer a debate. But I definitely am not putting Roy in the one two conversation. All right, fine. Yeah, I tried to throw that one in there. That was a little spontaneous. You're right. The uh, the accolades. That was the word I was looking for earlier. Accolades uh, are not really there for Roy, and you know his career was cut short. But one can dream. I, I think if he uh, had been here longer, he could have been in that argument. But I don't know. I, I think it does really open up the the whole goat debate and all the all the qualifiers and standards and how you really define the thing. It, it's it's a pointless debate, but it it sure is fun to have with you, Chris. It's fun to argue with you back and forth. <laughs> Uh, man, we've yeah, had a full hour on this. Nice job. That was uh, yeah. I, I didn't know we'd go that long. Yeah, it's fun to uh, argue with you and for me to be right the whole time. I'll do it all the time. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, listeners, uh, write us at any time, obviously, but uh, specifically right now, write in, tell us how you feel. Is Chris right about this, uh, uh, about the Blazers <laughs> Goat debate? Do you have some other opinion? Are you on Team MJ or Team LeBron uh, more correctly? Uh, Chris, if they were going to write us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, where do they reach us at? Do you know? Hit me, up on, hit me up on Twitter. I don't care where they reach you. Hit me up. <laughs> I was at trying to get C- you to do our read. <laughs> at C. Burkhart, MBCS, on Twitter. Hit me on Instagram, C. Burke, underscore two, three, if you really want, but no one, none of you really want to see pictures of my kids all day. Hit up the Trailcasters at... <laughs> at Trailcasters, and you can find me at Rip City Keith. Uh, always email us at trailcasters at gmail.com. Give us those five stars on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find the podcast. Shout out to Odar for these wonderful beats and our sponsor, Clearly Speaking. Brendan Octomer at clearlyspeakingorgan.com can help you with all of your speech and hearing needs. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you to Chris Burkhardt, as always. Thank you to Odar for these fat beats. Thank you to our sponsor, uh, uh, Clearly Speaking. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City Basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please come back next week, next month, who knows when, right now for the next edition of the Trailcast. As if anyone made it that far in the episode in the first place. Uh, awesome, man. Thank what you. What are you saying about me? No, not, nothing you did wrong. I think once I start monologuing, I'm sure people just hit delete and move on to the next one. <laughs>